planet is one big city. There's Chancellor Valorum shuttle. Coruscant, the capital world of the Republic, jewel of the Empire, birthplace of human civilization. The planet has existed under different names, but has remained one of the most important planets in galactic history. Three trillion beings from across the galaxy live on the world, most of whom have immigrated from their various origin points to convene at the intergalactic testament of a cultural, social, and economic melting pot. Creatures from almost every sector, subclass, and species can be found somewhere on the planet, from its towering buildings to its darkest sublevels but it was not always this way. Broadly accepted as the cradle of humanity, Coruscant, then known as Notron, was also home to the Tong species. Humans, once calling themselves Zhel, had driven the Tong species off the world after a long history of conflict. While the Tong would go on to found the Mandalorian culture, the Zhell developed their homeworld from which they would begin branching out, first to their planetary and system neighbors, then to the whole galaxy. After harnessing technology from extraterrestrial visitors, the planet had originally been varied in its natural features, including polar ice caps, mountains, and oceans with various natural ecosystems. However, as the city, which would later be dubbed the Galactic City, grew across the surface of the world, it subsumed all natural features. Soon, because of its explosive growth in population and urbanization, the city evolved to build upwards, layer by layer, skyscraper by skyscraper, until even the varied mountains and former ocean floors had been completely covered and lost in the urban maze without natural resources to extract. And due to the immense waste caused by the all-encompassing galactic city, Coruscant had to resort to artificial means to create a new ecosystem. From air scrubbers to keep atmospheric pollution in check, massive water treatment and recycling systems and reservoirs to replace its long lost oceans, to firing waste canisters into space to be collected by garbage ship as landfills had no longer become a reasonable disposal method as every square inch of the world had evolved into urban sprawl. 
Farms and locally sourced production had to be done artificially. Hydroponic farms or otherwise have to be delivered from off-world. Coruscant stands as an ecumenopolis, the whole world enveloped by a single city, dubbed Galactic City. Although at this time, humanity had only just begun to explore the galaxy at large, Coruscant had temporarily been subjected under the power of the Rakatan Infinite Empire, serving as a source of slaves for its ever-growing ambitions. However, after the collapse of the Empire, Coruscant and its Shuman population was free once again to colonize the stars and inhabit new worlds, establishing the region of the galaxy known as the Core Worlds. Because of Coruscant's place at the center of numerous trade routes, it has become the wealthiest planet as it sits at the intersection of numerous intergalactic hyperlanes and serves as a bastion of trade and governance. This strategic location has also made it a high-value military target and has been the site of many battles of the innumerable Star Wars that have plagued the galaxy. Coruscant has been invaded, besieged, sacked, and bombarded numerous times throughout several conflicts. Yet the great city planet has managed to rebuild and secure its place at the heart of galactic affairs. Outcompeting the initial foundation, human-settled planets of the core worlds, as leader of the intergalactic governance, it became home to the central galactic government by whatever guise it took, be it a democratic republic or authoritarian empire. When the republic was founded, and the Galactic Constitution ratified, Coruscant was named the Capital World and had experienced unprecedented growth as hyperdrive technology allowed even the most distant worlds to join the new central government. And soon species from across the galaxy would find themselves sharing the planet with its human inhabitants. When the Republic fell and was replaced by the First Galactic Empire, Coruscant had been renamed along with other major changes to the bustling Metroplex. The Galactic City had been redubbed the Imperial City. Many of its well-established landmarks and institutions followed suit. Coruscant itself was officially renamed Imperial Center, though it is often difficult to renormalize a change that had been constant for hundreds of thousands of years, and many still referred to the world by its old name. Under imperial rule, the numerous non-human species that had once shared the cityscape with humans had been segregated to districts and quarters, and access between quarters was strictly monitored and enforced, with often violent consequences for violations. The Empire served to bring the Institute major militarization to the cityscape and built many military research installations as well as shipyards in orbit. It is said that the number of star destroyers that had been built and occupied the space above Coruscant were able to block out the sun, bathing the world in literal darkness that had figuratively cloaked the whole galaxy. 
Lightning storms began frequent occurrences as shield generators were installed to protect the planet from assaults and uprisings. A massive power surge, surges erupted in arcs of celestial plasmic energy where they overlapped. In addition to these sweeping reforms, Coruscant had also become a heavily surveilled state as Imperial intelligence and police set up vast interconnected networks to spy on increasingly oppressed populations. In testament to his unlimited power outstripped only by his enormous ego, Palpatine commissioned the Imperial Palace, arguably one of the largest buildings in the galaxy. It stood a towering pyramid above the already monolithic skyline of ancient skyscrapers. The greatest change yet to befall the planet came with the Yuzhan Vong invasions, who successfully conquered the world and began terraforming it to become Yuzhanatar. Great buildings and hallmarks that had served millennia were destroyed and the planet itself was moved closer to its sun. Its surface had been overrun with new vegetation and new wildlife sprung out to inhabit the world seeded by its new masters, who were trying to make the planet into a living, breathing entity. Under the layer of biological conquest, however, the city remained and it would be uncovered and rebuilt after the defeat of the Vong. The marks they had left would forever remain. Plant-like structures would remain embedded in artificial edifices of the new city, and one of Coruscant's moons had been utterly annihilated, becoming a ring of ice and dust and debris around the planet known as the Rainbow Bridge. Coruscant would eventually be pulled back closer to its original orbit, losing yet another moon in the process and destroying the Rainbow Bridge. The planet would become alive with geological activity it had not experienced in millennia as earthquakes and volcanic eruptions dotted the world. Under the Galactic Federation of Free Alliances, the city and its hardened survivors living in the depths would return and rebuild along with the rest of the galaxy. Coruscant would remain the capital of the galaxy, even 200 years later when the one Sith under Darth Krayt took control and would serve as their seat of power. Inhabitants. As a thriving metroplex, Coruscant boasted a population of almost three trillion, though at least two-thirds were likely impermanent and transitory. Despite its diverse population of aliens, humans still remained the majority on the world and across most of the galaxy. The denizens of the city refer to themselves and are referred to by others as Coruscanti while those of the lower levels would be called twilighters due to the lack of direct sunlight. They were noted to have a particular accent when speaking Galactic Basic, a trend observed in the likes of Obi-Wan Kenobi and numerous Imperial officers during the Empire. 
The Coruscant Security Forces, or CSF, were the main branch of law enforcement on the world and worked with the Senate Guard and Jedi to patrol and control crime. At various points through its history, it would employ everything from security droids to organics, and their reach would be augmented by clone members of the Grand Army of the Republic during the Clone Wars. They would be identified by red markings, and they soon came to dominate security of the planet as the Empire took over as the regime militarized the capital. Soon, human recruits began to fill the ranks of the Coruscant Guard, usually taken from the Stormtrooper Corps, and could be identified by their unique crimson armor and distinctive helmets. They would work in tandem with the Emperor's Royal Guard and the blue-clad Senate Guard, who would be dissolved later on. These guards came to represent the oppressive rule of Palpatine and became increasingly aggressive in their enforcement duties, unrestrained by notions of civil rights and accountability. After the fall of the Empire, the militant occupation of Coruscant loosened for a time. However, a similar force was raised by Jason Solo many years later. The Galactic Alliance Guard, or GAG, served a similarly oppressive role as their predecessors after the New Republic took over Coruscant, and these new police state operators became secret police and would resume the tyranny that had fallen decades before. Features Although the cityscape on the planetary surface had grown to overcome any recognizable elements of its former natural ecosystems, new artificial features evolved to take their place. For ease of navigation and administration, the cityscape had been divided into quadrants and numbered sectors, often developing nicknames based on prominent landmarks or its dominant features. Coruscant is home to many institutions, from the Senate at the heart of the Republic to the Galactic University, bastion of science and enlightenment. The Jedi Order had moved back its central headquarters to and from the world at various points in history, but had established a permanent place in its massive Jedi Temple, built over a forced nexus located at the top of a mountain that the ancient Coruscanti recognized as a sacred place. The temple, first a simple collection of training chambers and meditative spaces, grew to encapsulate the entirety of the mountain. The part of the galactic city came to be known as the Temple District, as it had become the most prominent feature of the region. During the dark era of the Empire under Palpatine, the Senate building served for a time as the Imperial Senate building before its dissolution. The building was largely abandoned until the arrival of the Yuzhan Vong, who used it as, it as well for the world brain of the planet. It was renovated and brought back into use by the Galactic Alliance after Coruscant was liberated. The building itself was notable in Coruscanti skyline for its large upside-down bowl shape and appearance and the sheer massiveness of the complex. It was erected over top of the ancient Senate Hall in 3996 BBY, as was typical of city growth on the planet rather than demolishing older structures, 
Among the massive Senate chambers, there were office quarters and massive plazas, gardens, and the avenue of core founders lined with vague impressionistic statues were meant to represent the founding representatives of the core worlds. During his reign, Palpatine had also built an impressive palace with a throne room at its labyrinthian core. The massive structure took on a pyramidal shape, a possible homage to the structures of ancient Sith Lords from Korriban. The structures towered over everything else and sat near the old Jedi Temple and the Senate building. The Minari Mountains were the last original features from the planet's surface, not covered in artificial buildings, the tallest peaks of the world peeking through the otherwise artificial surface. The Imperial Star Destroyer named Lusankia had been built below the mountains and while under the command of Lysain Isard, broke free of its cradle, destroying kilometers of cityscape and killing millions as it took off into the space. The mountains were utterly destroyed during the Vong invasions. Although the original oceans and lake of Cor Coruscant had long been dried, drained, polluted, or boiled away, a new artificial reservoir served the planet as a sea and was visible on the surface of the world. It was called the Great Western Sea, and it was a water source for the city, but also as a place for recreation for tourists. Artificial islands were built across it, and villas, resorts, and retreats dotted its coast including one notable structure that Darth Vader used as a space for meditation. When the Yuzhan Vong conquered the world, the body of water became a secession pool that housed many of the living planet's integral organs. Other institutions, like the University of Coruscant, had a massive Jedi temple complex, were also located on the world. The planet was orbited by four moons, however some of them were destroyed during the Yuzhan Vong invasions. Other artificial satellites, space stations, and shipyards would be erected in the upper stratosphere within Coruscant's orbit. It had a 24-hour standard rotation and 368 standard day orbit around its sun, Coruscant Prime. Its galactic importance served as a center for many astrological charts and maps and was designed as 000 or triple zero as cartographic records show. Quadrants and Levels For ease of administration, the cityscape was divided into quadrants and zones and districts, usually named for significant landmarks such as the Jedi Temple or Galactic Senate. Coruscant, for its massive urbanization and towering skyscrapers, 
has evolved both a stratified organizational and social structure that closely mirrors the levels and layers that have built themselves up around from the surface of the planet. With the wealthy and societal elite living in penthouses and at the pinnacle of towers, one's social status can often be determined by how far down someone lives. As one begins to descend past the glistening towers, they would find themselves in the Coruscant underworld, also known by other various titles such as the lower levels or lower Coruscant. The further down one went, it became eternally dusk, and then night as Coruscant's sun would be hidden by the massive superstructures of the city and towers above. Some levels developed their own reputations. Some simple dens of questionable entertainment, nightclubs and gang territories, to other depths being truly nightmarish. Bathed in total darkness, only dangerous vermin and evolved flesh-eating humans known as Cuthon lived in some recesses of the lowest levels. Criminals and warlords would prey on the weak, or would be at their mercy of their protection, as local security rarely, if ever, ventured so far down. It was dangerous, even for the likes of trained Jedi. For many that live here, no, not much changes, no matter who sits in the seat of power in the great halls of the surface, be it Empire or Republic. Life remains difficult, criminal, and bleak. Machinery and service systems ran through the bottom levels, as well as garbage compressors for refuse that did not get launched into space. Massive automated services and infrastructure that delivered power, water, and even air to the world crisscrossed through these levels and serviceways. On the planet's traditional surface, over a kilometer below the Overcity, ancient ruins and modern foundations intertwined to make the base of the galactic city superstructure. Planets like Terrace, Empress Teta, Anaxes, and Narshada all share the classification of Ecumenopolis. Flora and Fauna Though the natural flora and fauna have long since been replaced by a ferrocrete jungle, the city has evolved a new ecosystem that lives and even thrives within the confines of this new engineered environment. Silica parasites, rock and duracrete eating worms, barnacles and mollusks were always brought to the world accidentally through shipping and trading as stowaways. These harmful creatures, like the Duracrete slug or Duracrete worm, would tunnel and bore through buildings and foundations, excreting a concrete layer of armor of their bodies while they digested minerals. They could range from three to up to 10 meters in length and were responsible for billions of credits and damage annually, and if left unchecked, could even call parts of buildings to collapse. Stone mites would eat through metals, much the same way slicing through metal sheets and wires with the powerful pincer jaws and acidic saliva to break it down. They were also known to cling to the hulls of spaceships, proliferating themselves throughout the galaxy and making their home on Coruscant. They could combine themselves into groups of three to form a symbiotic ternary shell. 
they could wield, weld themselves in place and let out electrical shocks to defend themselves. They were exceptionally hardy, and only a handful of reliable methods could destroy them, one being an oxidizing foam that would rust the mites to death, or be placed in suspended animation through Morikro, a dangerous force technique. Hive rats were gray-skinned, nearly hairless rodents that lived in the sewers and underlevels of Coruscant. They were known to carry disease, and their bodies were often malformed from tumors, likely the result of exposure to unchecked sewage and radioactive pollution. They prey on silica parasites, but were often themselves also pests, gnawing through power lines and water pipes because they're massive, powerful teeth. They averaged three meters long and would roam the underlevels in packs, capable of killing a hapless pedestrian if they weren't too careful. Dionagas were also known to infest the waterways, sewage, and garbage holds across the planet, much like the rest of the galaxy. Conduit worms were also known to cause infrastructure damage as they would snake along power lines and consume the energy they gave off. They were also known to be pests that could board unwitting starships and cause power outages and blackouts. The wealthy across the galaxy often found more and more exotic ways of displaying their opulent wealth and would often purchase and keep various animals that would invariably escape or become too much of a burden to maintain and simply release into the wild. On Coruscant, this was no different. The Narglatch, a large felinid apex predator found on various planets across the galaxy, had also made itself a niche in the biosphere of Coruscant. Escaped from their holding pens, these creatures are stealthy hunters and could be found roaming Coruscant. They are loners, but can pose a significant threat to humans and other sentients due to their size and ferocity. However, you probably couldn't see it coming until it was too late. One of the most disastrous animal escapees was the Zelo Beast incident during the Clone Wars. An ancient gargantuan creature from the planet Malastare, the insecto-reptile was thought to be extinct before one was un uncovered on the planet and secretly brought to Coruscant for study. The beast escaped, however, and rampaged across the city, killing hundreds of to thousands before it met its own end at the hands of Republic forces in Jedi intervention. However, Chancellor Palpatine had commissioned a doctor to clone the beast from samples taken from its corpse. And now, a word from our sponsors. Looking for the apartment of your dreams? Look no further than 332 Republic Heights. This historic piece of real estate is only 4,000 years old 
and considered one of Coruscant's newer developments. You will have stunning vistas of uncontrolled urban sprawl for at least five years before the section is overbuilt by the next phase of development, permanently burying you in sublevel shadows of Coruscant's eternal night. Located only 900 kilometers from the nearest local spaceport, you will have access to everything the world has to offer. Book your viewing today. This ad is brought to you by Coruscant Real Estate. Thanks for flying with us. Jordan here. Just wanted to let everyone know what's happening here at the Star Lords podcast. Star Lords is now on Discord. If you would like to join the Star Lords Cantina Discord server, you can find a link in the description or on any of our social media accounts. Reach out with a DM or email. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching the Star Lores podcast. Go ahead and give our page a like and send us a message. You can also email at starloarspodcast at gmail.com. Send us your fan art, Star Wars collections, or fan fictions, and you may even get a feature on one of our pages or even the show. Don't be afraid to offer corrections or add to any of the topics that we discuss on the show. We are also on Patreon. So if you want to help us pay the bills, as well as get a few awesome perks like bonus episodes, access to the private Facebook group, or the VIP section of the Discord server, head on over to patreon.com forward slash starlores and sign up for as little as one US dollar a month. And finally, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher app or YouTube, as well as sending us a five-star review on iTunes. This really helps us reach a wider audience. Enjoy the rest of the show. And welcome everyone back aboard the Millennial Falcon. This is Christian. This is Jordan. And we have found ourselves back home on the great city world of Coruscant. Mm -hmm. Which uh, brings me to my first point of discussion. Uh, You may have heard me specifically pronounce the planet's name differently. A couple of times. Um, is it Coruscant or Coruscant? Um, I, I personally fluctuate between the two depending on the sentence that I'm reading. Is it Coruscant? Or Coruscant. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Is your glass half empty or <laughs> half full? Tomato, tomato is what I always say. Um, maybe I'm just saying it with a coruscant accent. Um, I believe it's Coruscant. Coruscant. I believe like uh, a croissant, but croissant. I think you. I got to go back and watch episode one and see the way different people pronounce it too. I wonder yeah. if there's any inconsistencies in that. Um, a funny note on talking about language, though. Uh, the croissanty accent is space British. If anyone was wondering, <laughs> yeah. Um, Obi Wan Kenobi is notable for having that accent, and so there's a there's a lot of British different British accents, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's the broader, like, I guess, like the more aristocratic. Yeah. It's whatever the guys are talking aboard, like Star Destroyers. You'll notice all Imperial officers also have this, like, British accent of, I I don't know, I'm not good enough with accents to identify exactly where it's from. Maybe one of our British listeners could point that out for us. But it is a point that's funny that people have brought up in other media about Star Wars is like, why, 
why do all the uh, bad guys speak British? <laughs> um, I almost wonder if it's like, you know, Coruscant is sort of the seat of an empire. Yeah. I, I don't think it was that's done the... intentionally because there was a phase of like movie production where English accents were common among bad guys for whatever reason. They sounded sophisticated, yeah. like sophisticated bad guys. And uh, yeah, I don't think it was done intentionally, but then you can kind of retroactively include like, well, the British Empire and then like the, the yeah, Empire, right? Because Obi-Wan is also a good guy and he has a quote unquote Coruscant accent. It's true. Um, I don't know. Ewan McGregor, is he Scottish or is he? I think he's Scottish. Yeah, I'm just probably. going off his last name, but uh, who knows? He could have been generationally in England for who knows how long. Yeah. But um, yeah, just a fun little side fact that I, I found humorous when I read it uh, <laughs> yeah. when they noted the Coruscant. It is odd. Yeah. Um, Some cool facts about Coruscant. A lot of people. So the uh, hold on. So the Naboo uh, accent. accent is. Is like more American. Must be. <laughs> Someone needs to go. Except for Palpatine, because he kind of has a more of a. He has a more British accent. Too. Yeah, he does. Ian McDermott is he American? I'm gonna look that up. No, right. I'm pretty sure he's not. Also British, but I'm saying like Vader. He's Scottish too. Well, no, because Anakin was from Tatooine, so never mind. None of it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Ryloth, apparently people from Ryloth have like a French accent too, which is supposed to be a... Uh, oh, okay. Like it was an homage to like the French resistance. Oh, in the okay. Clone Wars, they kind of had like the French resistance kind of role. Yeah. Um, and then they just turned it into like a main thing that, oh, they all have a French accent. But I don't we think got, they're very consistent <laughs> with accents. We got to do a linguistic episode. Oh, yeah, I plan to. There's a lot. You can <laughs> you can do a major deep dive into the linguistics of Star Wars. Yeah, for sure. Um, but anyways, um, the planet itself, Coruscant, a lot of people like to think maybe it's Earth in the future. Um, it is the cradle of humanity, uh, which is an interesting... Oh, yeah, Ewan McGregor is also Scottish, and so is Liam Neeson. They're all Scots. Maybe it's a Scottish accent. <laughs> um, <coughs> sorry, I got off track there. Um, what you're saying about the... Yeah. It's uh, a giant city. Well, the, the planets, people often think it's like Earth in the future. Oh. Although it has some similarities, it's definitely not Earth, as we've established in other episodes. But isn't this a long time ago? Exactly. In a galaxy far, far yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. So, I feel like that immediately yeah, distingu- I, like, or, uh, uh, extinguishes that, that theory. Hypothesis. Yes. Yeah. Um, but people never underestimate the power of <laughs> people's <laughs> insistence on their their opinions. Yeah. Um yeah, it's definitely not. And even there there are like markers within like the planet itself that tell you that it's this unique world. But it is it does serve as I guess functionally as Earth as being the cradle of human civilization. Right. Um the planet itself and the birthplace of like humans as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, of like the center of like the Republic civilization. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, the planet itself is actually slightly smaller than earth. Um, Coruscant has a diameter of 12,240 kilometers and earth is 12,742. So it's only marginally larger, but it also takes a, it's it's uh, orbital years three days longer. Yeah, three days longer. Although I think depending on how you calculate time, you can maybe squeeze. <laughs> you can mess around with days and times. I think on Earth, perhaps. Um, 
and also uh, what was I gonna say? Uh, the number of moons it has, and oh, yeah. yeah, planets in its system as well. Yeah, um, I believe it has the Coruscant system. It has it orbits one sun, and I believe it has, I want to say, eleven or twelve other planets in the system with it, whereas we only have eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Pluto discussion, notwithstanding. You know, I wanted to say something about uh, Coruscant as like. Be- almost turning the the planet into basically more or less a space station uh by destroying all of its like native life forms and just turning it into like a huge basically a city right like yeah there's no actual natural ecosystems yeah. that are existing are you going to go into a climate change uh, time well time? i was just <laughs> i was just gonna say uh look i i think like and this is, but this is talking like, okay, look at humanity. We're talking thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands at the very least years into the future. There's a hypothetical situation where we could turn this planet and we could actually, all the ecosystem will be entirely artificial and manufactured. Like there won't be anything natural existing. And that isn't necessarily. A bad thing. Like a bad thing. <laughs> you know, the, and and then by then we'll probably be terraforming the moon and Mars and whatnot, right? And, and so you I'm have just a very saying, optimistic view of the future. Well, I'm just saying hypothetically, it it's a possibility. Yeah. Um I'm I, I like and that's also assuming because one one thing that people get wrong about like at least our civilization on earth is that like overpopulation is this huge problem when it's really not we're probably going to like plateau our population around nine or ten billion that's what i've heard today yeah depend a lot of different factors depend but it is the pace is going that way it is actually starting to slow down already so there there isn't like a uh it's not like a straight line upwards, right? The graph of human population. So I don't know if we would ever act. And actually another, another little factoid is that we actually have, especially in the West, there's, there is more, um, what's the word for it? Like more land mass is actually given to nature in the last 20 years and the previous hundred years. So like less people or more people live on less land than yeah, because we're not living on yeah. The, so actually, we're like the planet is becoming uh, a denser population. Yeah, like it's a more dense population using less land, right? Yeah. So, and that 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 all comes with like um, modern farming and stuff like that. Like we just don't need as much yeah. land. And if you've heard or seen even vertical farming, they're looking at methods of like farming without land yeah right? you just well, stack it's funny like uh, in coruscant they use hydroponic farm indoor farming vertical yeah. farming hypothetically and that's actually already becoming a thing yeah it's yeah. it's doable on a small scale yeah. who knows if you can ever like scale it to the level you need to feed trillions yeah. but they're they're all ideas that you know you can play with yeah. that are like pseudo sci-fi that are happening today yeah which are interesting but, but the question is is like let's say it doesn't look like this is happening but let's say like the human population did explode for some reason to like 100 billion right or yeah. or 200 billion yeah and, and at that point like there'd be very little like natural world left to 
uh, sort of leave without being inhabited by humans, how would we deal with that? Right? Yeah. Would, would we would we eventually just like do what they did on Coruscant and, and just start making everything artificial? Yeah. And like, I I, th- I think it's an interesting like thought experiment. Like, what would the world look like? Yeah, that's those are kind of like the little details that I was actually fascinated by when writing this episode. Was like, you know the basics of everyday living water electricity like they create an entire ecosystem artificially what do they do with all their garbage well they started launching it into space (laughs) but they also are still packing some of it in like the lower depths of the the city and then all these like animals even uh, there's a very interesting documentary about like how nature also adapts to cities, right? So like, yeah, sure, you're not going to have like necessarily elephants roaming through your streets if we grew into like a massive cityscape. But there would always be some kind of animals that have learned to live and adapt and even thrive in a new artificial environment, like pigeons and like even street cats, right? Yeah, They're animals that learn to live with their changing environment that would thrive in, you know, we would consider them pests as humans or as aliens in Star Wars, but they're just adapting to their environments and they even find a way to thrive in those environments, which is always interesting. Yeah. Life uh, finds a a way (laughs) in the words of Ian Malcolm. Yeah. Um, Quick, quick backtracking a little bit. I just had to Google this. I just had, I have to look it up. But Alec Guinness also has an English accent. So Sir Alec Guinness, who played the original Obi-Wan. So, well, obviously he did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I I love that the whole topic of like how they artificially deal with like oxygen levels and you know yeah. replacing all, all bodies of, of water have, with yeah. big reservoirs and all of that would have to be like manufactured from like water to air yeah. to food, right? And then at some point too, you realize they're no longer extracting resources from their world because it's pretty much been extinguished. Yeah. So they probably import most, if not everything, that they can't produce themselves. Yeah. Well, and. Like if you say like let's say all the inhabitants of Coruscant leave leave tomorrow, it's just a dead rock basically. Yeah, right? yeah there's it, very little happening geologically <clears throat> here. Yeah, I'm sure there's like microbes there that would maybe evolve over a billion years. Yeah, or and something. eventually <laughs> consume the world. Yeah, and like but there there's overgrowth. There isn't like the building blocks of of like uh you know like forests and stuff to take out and other creatures to take over the planet yeah. you know um that was another kind of cool thing when the vong invaded too they just like layered it was like astroturfing the planet yeah and like they turned it into like a pseudo jungle yeah but they but they just layered that on top of what was already there right. and then also then <gasps> rebuilding coruscant was really just <laughs> torching it again yeah. and then rebuilding the cityscape so yeah. kind of a reverse environmentalism <laughs> but, yeah. um a uh, word you may have heard us use throughout this episode, uh, ecumenopolis. Um, it's it was a Greek word. Obviously, it comes from um, polis, meaning city, and ecumen, meaning world. Um, and it was actually made uh, by a Greek city planner in the sixties. I want to say. Yeah, 67, it was coined by a city planner, Constantinos. Like 67 AD? No, 1967. Oh, 1967. <laughs> so, yeah. I was thinking, I thought you meant like ancient Greek. <laughs> no, and that's what I thought when I first read it. I'm like, oh, cool. Like they were thinking about this since the ancient times. But no, it was a fairly recent idea. Okay. But the city planner was already playing with the idea of like, what if all the cities on earth, if like you were saying, if population trends continued in an upward trajectory yeah. at the same rate or if not even more accelerated, 
um, what would it look like to have all these cities kind of grow together and then eventually just merge until the whole city, the whole planet was covered in one big city. Right. Um, and of course, Star Wars isn't unique in that idea either. Not only is Coruscant not unique within Star Wars, you have lots of city worlds that we mentioned. Um, but yeah, also... Like Terrace and... Yeah. But also... And they also look a lot like Coruscant. Like the, yeah. I do like that about Star Wars. They have a consistent architectural style. Yeah. You know it's Star Wars just based on the buildings and where you are. Yeah. Uh, aside from like the really unique stuff like ancient Sith stuff, for example. But that aside, um, yeah, they're not the only fiction to obviously come up with the idea of world cities. Yeah. Um, more prominently fictions like 40k they have similar concepts although they tend to retract into big hive cities and allow the rest of the environment to just decay around them right that tends to be the case rather than like colonizing the entire surface of the planet um you might find like human civilizations in all nooks and crannies but it's there's like vast deserts where say the oceans used to be for example but coruscant has built over even the craters of ancient oceans right um, another note on the population of Coruscant too, they fluctuate between one to three trillion, which is a rather large fluctuation. Yeah. Um, first of all, just getting your head around those numbers, like 1 billion used to be a big number, but in today's modern markets and populations, like, yeah, like you said, we're, we're looking at possibly hitting up to 10 billion people, yeah. but trillion is on another level. Yeah. That's, it's hard to even imagine. Yeah. Um, but on that note as well. They say two-thirds of the planet are transitory or just they work on the planet right. or in passing because it is this massive intergalactic hub right, right? where you have all kinds of species and, you know, things coming in and out of the planet, right? It's it's like New York, like a harbor, right? Like you yeah. have all this shipping happening. Um, you have senators that are just stationed there for the term of their service and then they'll leave with all their aides and all their staff and stuff like that. So there, while there is a permanent population, of course, you have to also consider, yeah, that transitory nature of like yeah. two thirds of the planet aren't really permanent residents. Right. So just things to keep in mind when yeah. thinking. It's not exactly like genocide that's causing the, the fluctuation. <laughs> fluctuation. No, it's just, although it's the just lower the levels can be very dangerous. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Um, and that's another cool feature is like the city is built all around the surface, but then it, it goes inward. Too. Yeah. Like the towers and, and everything is spilt up so high. Yeah. Well, you almost have to like look at Coruscant more, not in, in like a latitude, longitude, but in like layers. Le levels. Yeah. yeah. Levels and layers. That That's more how to, and it, it, even down to like class, uh, classes of people and, and, um, different industries and stuff there they'll all those people exist on different layers of the yeah. planet and you might never to, yeah exactly you're like oh like jeff bezos lives in the top of the tower even in the building that you might live in yeah but you're like <laughs> five thousand levels below him and you will never yeah. get up that high you're yeah when you there. go in that elevator it yeah. just it, it it does your biometric scan and yeah. it's like no you're not allowed <laughs> up there <laughs> yeah um, yeah. And then obviously in the darkest, like, it's cool that you can go so far down that you no longer hit sunlight, almost like the ocean, you right. get into like the weird parts of the ocean, yeah. you get into <laughs> weird parts of Coruscant where like, it's literally nighttime all the time and it's all artificially lit yeah. and it's seedy and like, you know, you also have to think like Coruscant is so old. You literally have like anthropologists studying the, the lower <laughs> the lowest levels, levels of, the cities. of yeah. the cities you know as like historical records yeah and so i 
the, yeah, you kind of have to understand how just how old the city is as well. You know? Yeah, I, I love I love that element too, where you go down deep enough and you like have stone ruins like built into the foundations of these massive right. superstructures, right? And like even the like you have these individual spires, but at some point they connect like lower down into these big massive blocks of like city. Right. Yeah. Everything is just built on top and within and throughout itself. Uh, there was a Chinese city. I forget what it's called. Um, it kind of like built itself up naturally. People just started moving in. It became, I think it was like at one point, the most densely populated area. And it was a city where people just literally built and stacked on top of each other. Like oh, okay. no regard for building codes or living space. Yeah. It just kept moving in and like stacking on top of each other. And it eventually like it just turned, it, it eventually became like super crime ridden and had all these issues. And like, obviously like power and electricity was like super unreliable because people are just like attaching pipes and, you know, running wires wherever they want. Yeah. But, uh, eventually the Chinese authorities demolished it, but it was an interesting kind of like, I don't know if it was an inspiration or just like same with it. It, it was almost of, like anarchic. It was yeah. very decentralized. Yeah. And building. like and a lot of like war, crime lords moved in and kind of took over different sectors. And like right. it's a very, uh, what's that other IP there? Uh, Judge Dredd. Oh yeah. Like the mega cities. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. very much like that. But I like to think of Coruscant on a layer level to look something, something to that effect where people just started building on top of each other, not with no regard. And then eventually they, you know, organized, up at the upper level so it looks kind of nice and clean nice and clean and like yeah i would also even imagine like and i haven't done that much reading into coruscant but you would probably even have hypothetically like all new ethnicities forming on different levels right because they'd have almost no interaction with, with the higher outsiders levels, yeah you know, or the low the higher to the lower and the lower to the higher you know what i mean yeah and with just on a long enough time scale you would almost think that like distinct people groups would yeah be cultures yeah subgenre sub languages and, yeah, yeah exactly like different dialects yeah. like depending on the level that you're on right yeah i i do think there is enough um what do you call it like yeah uh, like mobility yeah and stuff, it's not that they're strictly cut off from each other, but it's also feasible to think that maybe at one of the lower levels where people kind of don't interact as often or as much that you could probably get away with that. Yeah. But you can, like you do see like people move up and down that thing, not like even for work, you might go up a, a hundred, right, 200, right. 300 levels, spend your day on the surface. Plus with like interconnectedness, it's an issue even today where it is becoming harder to generate, you know, you have all these different civilizations that have developed over time, languages, people groups uh, that splinter off from each other, right? And then mm -hmm. they develop their own kind of unique thing. But with like modern technology, that's also becoming more difficult when you have, you know, news and things being broadcast in a certain tone and language and even like accent that it becomes dominant, right? Like as Canadians, we experience a lot of that being influenced by American speech because we get a lot of American media, right? Yeah. So. I've actually wondered about that, and I wonder if they ever explore this with Coruscant, but I've wondered because of the internet, it's like, is there actually going to be a convergence of culture and language, uh, like a global culture and language that that is like over a long enough time scale we're actually all going to start like sounding the yeah same. sounding the same like all our english will sound the same english like it's already becoming the dominant language, language. yeah is it going to continue that trajectory i i i want to agree with you but i also don't know 
I don't know either. Like I'm we have wondering. a lot of major yeah. splintering of culture as we've seen in like, yeah, we even do politics and sub yeah. subcultures on the internet. But in terms of language, which is an important <coughs> key of culture. Um, yeah. It's becoming more unified. Yeah. Um, but yeah, back in the day, but that's what I'm wondering. Like yeah. if you look at throughout human history, right languages are new languages and dialects are always forming but is that going to actually be the case is there just going to be like perhaps in a thousand if you look at english a thousand years ago it was way different than it is today and i would even recommend uh, a great podcast people should listen to it's called the history of english podcast (laughs) but it's actually really really fascinating right and there's been actually like three different versions of english and the the kind we're speaking now is like the most modern version old and middle english Yeah, yeah yeah but even 500 years ago was considered the same english we speak now but if you read 500 years ago it sounds like way different than how we speak now you know so we're already emerging into a different type of english but it brings up the question is like if you think of so many words that are like used today yeah that are just the english language is always adopting new words too. yeah it's true but it uh, you could imagine a thousand years from now is there going to be this like convergence of english but it won't sound anything like Like today's english English. Yeah. yeah and it'll be it'll have borrowed words from many different languages and it'll be converging. But other, as one language is beginning to form, all the other tertiary languages are going to start to die out. Like, I wonder that, is that actually going to happen because of the internet and because of globalization and the ability to communicate? Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's, it's hard to say. I, again, I, I think culturally we're more fractured, but, linguistically yes. we may not be yeah. i'd have to talk with an actual linguist to yeah. see what their take is on <laughs> all that but i would think yeah you're headed towards a more homogenized language for everyone yeah and even at that note like it may not necessarily even be english because you have massive populations that although english right now is one of the dominant languages in a hundred years we yeah. don't know right because yeah we speaking don't know some form of cantonese <laughs> <laughs> We could be, but the thing is, like, even the Chinese are all learning English, right? So yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, who who wins that uh, that contest? And and even there's a massive Indian population, right? Right. But again, India, a lot of them speak but, English as well. So. But that's what I'm saying is, like, a lot of words from other languages are going to start getting inserted. Also, into English it. is unique in that it's already a bastardized language. It's like, true. It, yeah. It is the amalgamation of like yeah, it's like German, La- yeah, Latin, German, Latin and, Welsh, yeah. like all these different. It, it really is like a hodgepodge, more. Yeah. So than I think other languages that have like these thousand year histories. Yeah. English really just got like mashed together. Yeah. And then is also, which is probably why it's so like why, and also the British Empire spread it. Yeah. Everywhere. Like English is actually part of the, uh, what the linguists call the Indo European species of languages. So like it, it actually shares that it's the same subspecies of language as like Sanskrit from India. Right. And so it, it's, it's like, yeah, it sounds nothing to you and I. It sounds nothing like yeah, but in terms like of that. But in ter- I, genealogy, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, if you look, if you look at it on a family tree, it's yeah. it sort of has a common ancestry, yeah. if you will. And as a bilingual person, like I speak Spanish, but I 
you know, Italian, French, and right. the Romance languages uh, yeah. and Portuguese, they sound There's similar. There's a lot of similarities. Yeah, that, yeah. you know, it makes, for me, learning French a lot easier because of those Latin roots. Right. It's very easy for me to, like, at least pick out maybe what people are saying. And Portuguese almost sounds almost like Right, Spanish, Portuguese right? is so similar. But, like, the difference between English and Sanskrit, it's like... Oh, I know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a world apart, right? Yeah. So. Well, on that <laughs> note... Uh, I wonder if Coruscant, <laughs> if that's how Coruscant developed, like basic, galactic basic. Well, maybe that's where the idea of galactic basic comes from, right? It's yeah. This language that's broadly understood across worlds, you know, it's it's the language of it's a trade language. commerce, yeah. it's, a, it's the language of politics, of war, right? It's what most people speak to engage with the galactic community at large. Yeah. And yeah, it very well could be, you know, one of those things that like, yeah, they have to have a central system or language to to function in this like intergalactic government yeah yeah it's it's fascinating to if you kind of get like get into the deeper like philosophical implications of a, a, a planet city like coruscant you yeah. know how did the how did it develop how does it influence the culture around it and the galaxy around it right yeah yeah for sure but, cool. Anyways. Well, on that note, we're uh, going to get out of the CD bar <laughs> on Coruscant. In, in the Undercity. In the Undercity, and hopefully we don't get mugged on the way back to our ship. Peace.